everyone, I'm Dr. Susie Green, founder and CEO of the Positivity Institute, and welcome to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series three, a special 2020 edition. This series, I'll be speaking with leading consultants, educators, and academics who are passionate about positive education to learn from them about their experiences and journeys in creating flourishing students, educators, and whole school communities. Join me as we learn from these inspiring individuals. Today, we're speaking with Dan Hesler. Dan is an educator and coach who works with elite athletes and teams, as well as corporate leaders and educators. His work centers on happier, healthier, and higher performance. Dan is an international keynote speaker and regularly presents along industry leaders on topics of leadership, mindset, motivation, and peak performance. Before moving to Australia, he was also once identified on national TV as the UK's worst housemate. (laughs) Welcome, Dan. UK's worst housemate. Is that right? That's right. That's right. It's a, it's a, it was a well-deserved title. <laughs> so can you tell us more? <laughs> well, maybe. Um, <laughs> we're at uni and it was one of those daytime shows that was a bit like Jerry Springer, but the English version. <laughs> right. And at the end of one episode, they said, we're, we're looking for the UK's worst housemate. Do you know that person? And uh, the people I was living, I was living with uh, nominated me. And oh, next pointed. thing you know, I'm I'm on national TV being identified as such, so there we go. <laughs> and I won't dig any deeper as to what were the specific behavioural attributes that might have led to that nomination. It's around hygiene and lack thereof. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it's great. It's always good to hear something new about someone that you didn't know, isn't it? And in terms of your flourishing fat, there's a lot of things you do. Is that right, Dan? I mean, you've got a, yes. a, a, a big toolkit of positive psychology interventions, I'm assuming, you draw on. Yeah, absolutely. So using mindfulness, practicing gratitude. And one thing you actually taught me way back when we first met was um, the power of being able to name and then tame your automatic negative thoughts. So that is something that not only do I really look out for all the time, but also uh, I'm really intent on sharing and teaching other people because I've found it so useful to look out for, as you know, the personalizing, the the filtering, the mind reading, the catastrophizing, all those interesting thoughts that we think are actually facts, but uh, rarely are. (laughs) They're good old ants. And, you know, after teaching this for over 20 years, and uh, Mm. you teach, as you know, lots of different concepts. And the one thing that seems to have like a 99 point you know, percent to 100% retention is the ants. People seem seems to resonate with them um, when yeah. they realise that we have these automatic negative thoughts. And but lovely how the uh, the concept of mindfulness, which you mentioned, fits beautifully mm-hmm. with that uh, with, the, with yeah. that as well. Because if you haven't got the mindfulness, you're not going to even notice it. Yeah. And um, for those that want to learn a little bit more, you can listen to our other podcast or my other podcast which is the positivity prescription and i've got a whole podcast on um on mindset and a whole podcast on mindfulness as well so dan let's get into it i'd love to share your work with uh, the audience and we have known each other quite a long time and i hope you don't mind if i share 
how I usually describe how I met you, which was I got, a, <laughs> I got a call out of the blue from a teacher, two teachers who said, oh, you know, we've uh, created this post-psych or post-ed curriculum. We don't really know what we're doing, but you can you come and take a look? And so uh, this is quite a few years ago, Dan, really yeah. in very early days. And so I went over to visit you. At, I think you were at a manual school then. Yeah. And I was absolutely blown away about what you and uh, your colleague had created. Absolutely amazing. And, and again, so far ahead of your time. And you've really gone from strength to strength since then, Dan. So why don't we start with what actually brought you to POSED in the first place? Yeah, so um, it wasn't called POSED, I don't think, actually, when when I first discovered it. So the colleague you were talking about, uh, Ray Francis, he and I went to uh, the Mind and Its Potential conference. And I can't remember the year, but it was probably around 2008, 2009, something like that. And yeah, we were sitting there and speaker after speaker was kind of coming on and talking about the benefits of, for example, understanding your strengths and talking about uh, the importance of mindfulness and all these kinds of things, which I guess if you were to say now, you know, people listen to this podcast would go, well, yeah, obviously that's a given. (laughs) But back then it it probably wasn't a given. But what Ray and I found was we were looking at each other going, oh, we, we do that in our curriculum. We try and do that. We try and do this. And what was really powerful for us was up until that point, Ray and I were just a couple of PE teachers having a go and, you know, not quite sure if we were on the right track. It kind of felt right, but we weren't quite sure. And then all of a sudden, we were introduced to this world of academics, you know, including yourself, who were saying, oh, actually, there's real research behind this and there's a real movement gathering here. And that was probably a, a couple of months before I reached out to you and said, hey, Susie, <laughs> do you come and have a look at what we're doing just to make sure our attitude wasn't outweighing our aptitude? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fabulous work that you had done. And I found it interesting and I still do, I guess, that often it is the PE teachers or the ones that are involved in sports coaching as well that it really resonates with because some of the concepts and uh, I guess even interventions have been used, haven't they, in a sporting context? And we'll get into your work in sports. I'd love Mm. to hear a bit more about that today too. But do you think that that also helped, that it was sort of so aligned in many ways to the the health and interventions used in sports? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's a couple of things there. So, you know, having it so aligned with health, it's our core business. Mm. So our subject was called personal development, you know, and health and physical education is like tacked on at the end. Right. And so we, we were quite deliberate in using that and saying, well, what comes first? We did. I can remember sitting down and saying, is it really that important if kids can hit a backhand or can kick a goal if all this other stuff if they've not developed personally, if they don't have a good level of health. And and Ray and I were really quite strong on the fact that we should use our platform in that school to champion that. And then, as you say, the various sporting organizations and teams or even prominent individuals start talking about the benefit. For example, you know, the late Kobe Bryant would talk about the mm. importance of mindfulness, you know, to help him improve his performance. And in a country like Australia, which is quite into its sport, generally speaking, I think that was quite helpful as well. It wasn't just an airy-fairy thing. There was real tangible benefits to this that people could identify with. And and again, being the sports, you know, so having sport as the platform as well in our schools, we were quite deliberate in doing that as well. 
Yeah, and I guess my experience too has been when I've been running a POSED training is that the PDHPE teachers are sitting there or the, those that are involved in sports sort of nodding their head, particularly when we're teaching mental toughness and resilience mm. yeah. with techniques like anxiety management techniques, visualisation techniques. Yeah. You know, but then I sort of say to them, well, do the rest of the staff know about this? And they usually go, no. And mm. then I ask them, do the students use it beyond sports? And they go, mm, probably not. Yeah. So I guess um, for me there's been a great opportunity I think for again the work you've done too is for all staff to learn some of these techniques and even broaden them they're not all included in in that PDHPE area and yeah for the students to start to think about using those skills more broadly with their relationships or with their academics not just on the sports field absolutely yeah Yeah. And so what happened when you finished up as a formal educator as such? Mm. What's been your journey since then? Yes. So um, you actually are responsible for it because (laughs) um, you invited me to speak at a small gathering at that first symposium of uh, POS Psych in Schools, I think it was called, at Sydney Uni. And yeah, I was still teaching then. But what that happened, it was basically the start of a snowball effect (laughs) where in that room of 100 people or so, maybe 10 came up and spoke to me afterwards and asked me if I might chat with their group and then other events took place. And, and so at the end of 2012, start of 2013, I was invited to contribute to a, a federal government program um, around teacher education and that I was brought in to sort of talk a little bit around well-being and post-ed stuff and things like that. And um that was really the the nudge I needed to take a step out of school. And I didn't leave school because I wanted to leave school. I, I left the school because the other opportunities that I was being presented with were too exciting to turn down in, in a way. So, yeah, over, over the past eight years, yeah, sometimes I sort of pinch myself and go, this is crazy. Um, I've been invited all over the world to speak on various aspects of well-being, but also how that impacts leadership in particular and performance. So that has then led to working with big sporting organisations like Tennis Australia to help the next batch of young athletes coming through, um, work with Netball Australia, work with Gymnastics Australia. Yeah, a lot of work in the NRL. And a lot of it is embedded in the the idea of controlling what you can control and being mindful of how you are and, and choosing to respond appropriately and, you know, recognizing that your thoughts aren't facts and yeah, it's, it's quite remarkable, actually. There's a lot of things which I actually dug out that curriculum I showed oh, you, just, you? The, just the other day yeah. in preparation for a project I'm putting together. <laughs> and it's remarkable how many of those things yes. are still absolutely foundational yeah. to what we do. And not that I've thought much about that particular curriculum, but it was it was interesting to see. Yeah, it's the basic, it, had the basics there. there. Yeah, strong. exactly. Yeah, that's right. That's amazing, Danny. Mm-hmm. Really living the dream, I would say. I am, honestly, <laughs> I, it, it sounds a bit of a cliche, but I, I genuinely, yeah, love what I do. I get to work with really interesting people on really interesting things. So can't ask for much more than that. And so the business is cut through coaching. That's correct, yeah. And you've now, is Ray, Ray's joined you, is that right? Ray Ray has worked on various projects. I can't tear him away from the school. (laughs) It's a beautiful school and he's got a wonderful job there. Right. But every now and then, certainly last year, um, he was working with, with us and he was doing some work in one of our schools out in Western Sydney. But, yeah, it's, I can't prize him away. No. Oh, well, that's the passion, isn't it? Yeah. And so can you tell us a little bit about the work you're specifically doing in schools right now? Is it varied? Yeah, um, yeah I'd love to hear more. 
Yeah, so it's in schools is probably a uh, you want to use that word loosely. I think at the mm-hmm. moment, given yeah, the conditions, that's right. but, um, but we were, we have been lucky enough to work in schools in a couple of examples and broadly speaking um, we're either working with leadership teams or middle leadership teams or we're working with students or helping probably a better way of putting it is is helping the school to work with their students so if we focus on that because it's the student work which has a real positive education flavor so we help schools understand the power and the benefit of helping kids to explore what Ken Robinson would refer to as their element, you know, so something that they're good at, what they're passionate about. But then how do you use your element in the service of something greater than yourself? Yeah. And when you overlay that, just that concept, what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? And how can you do that to change someone's world is essentially our gist. When you use that as the tagline, if you think of whatever model of POSED you're interested in, that kicks a lot of goals to start with. So the one school down in Canberra just turned to when, when the world went crazy and kids all went home. Yeah, we basically ran or facilitated that program to run online for 10 weeks. But that was with the students directly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we were, we were running video sessions asynchronously. We had journals for them and then... We, we were fortunate enough to go down to Canberra in term three and actually have the kids present back to us some wow. of the things they'd done. So we had, there was stories of like year nine kids. They loved writing stories. They were good at writing stories. And so they wrote stories for kids who are currently in hospital oh, wow. and couldn't see their family because families couldn't visit, oh. for example. you know. And there were loads of things like that. And there was even really small ones. And it's quite powerful, actually. Like one kid said, he's realised that he needs to live a more grateful life. Oh, wow. Right? That's so powerful. And it was only powerful once he realised he wasn't being flippant. Because he sort of, you know, he had a bit of a, a cheeky way about him. Yeah. But the more he spoke, he was like, wow, this really was a bit of a turning point for this kid. Yeah. And he realised how home life could be so much happier if he focused on what he did have rather than the things he wanted or didn't have, you know. Wow, I bet you... There's a lot of parents listening now wishing they send your <laughs> send their children along to your workshops. It was fascinating. It was really, really powerful. Yeah, but how wonderful to have those discussions at school. And I, Because mm. um, as you probably know, Dan, I did a lot of clinical work in the early stage of my career and I sat with a, a lot of, you know, people and, and I will say a lot of men at around that, that mid-age that were sort of coming along querying, you know, what have they done with their lives for the last 20 yeah. or so years and do they want to stay on the same track? And really the uh, coaching engagement was around clarifying what they really did want to do with their lives and I I always remember having these conversation early on with a few schools we worked with very early on around you know I don't want to be sitting with these young Mm. boys it was a boys school at the time I don't want to be sitting with them in 20 years time having these conversations so how do we open up these conversations around what makes for a meaningful life or what yeah. does success mean? And that might vary from individual to individual rather than just one track to law, medicine, engineering or whatever it is. Yeah. So yeah. how wonderful that you can facilitate those discussions with young people, Dan. No, it's great. And, and we work with schools like that, but also, you know, we run very similar work with uh, the organisation Youth Off the Streets. So the power of of this stuff is you know i think you and i have spoken in the past that sometimes i guess it is changing but certainly when things really 
began to gain momentum around Posed. It was, it did have the, the appearance of being for the affluent schools and, you know, it, oh, it's a kind of a nice to have, you know, if you can afford the right. wellbeing center and, and whatnot. And my point has always been, well, positive education, you know, you, you don't need a lot of money to do pos psych and it absolutely is for everyone and so yeah it's been quite interesting to like you say there create the space where you can have those kind of conversations and i will be honest the conversations sound a lot different whether you're working with youth off the streets or an nrl first grade football team or an independent school you know they yes. sound different but the actual substance of the conversation is always powerful Yes, and I was speaking to Peggy Cohen, who uh, is about to publish uh, the first academic text on positive education, and she told me that there are a number of chapters that look at diverse applications with diverse mm. populations. So I'm really looking forward to that because I often, you know, find too that it's just as you said, doesn't have to cost money. It can be just some mm. energy and, and some enthusiasm, um, I guess, particularly for the educators. And I've also experienced, as you would have, that sometimes with the educators wanting to learn more about this they get reinvigorated because most yeah. of them came in to make a difference they might have Absolutely. been a bit burnt out along the way but it seems to re-energize yeah. them um, in learning about this Absolutely. so Dan what have been your greatest learnings on this journey so far um, yeah. whether that comes to creating flourishing students staff or whole school communities and I guess keen to hear what's worked well but also any barriers that you've encountered along the way yeah the main learning is that a lot of this stuff in fact, a lot of things in education, you know, any new program, any new approach, especially in schools, people are kind of wary and weary of new things. And so what you just alluded to there is when you actually give it the time for people to get into it and recognize, oh, wow, this is actually quite powerful. And more important, you know, and more than that, it's actually I can take something from this mm. as a parent, as a partner. Oh, and as a teacher, yeah, we could teach this. And and so one of my learnings has been, and it's interesting, really pertinent in front of mind at the moment because we're just, um, as I say, putting a proposal to another school at the moment is you have to give this more time than you think you have to give it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Because if you don't, you really are just contributing to a lack of well-being. You know, it just comes across as another thing, the latest fad, you know, building someone else's CV, whatever story people tell them. Mm. Until they realize that, oh, wow, actually, yeah, our oh, strengths. Oh, I've never really thought about meaning and purpose. You know, I've never thought about mindfulness. Isn't that just, you know, sitting, you know, looking out to sea or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's, so the biggest learning has been to encourage people, if they're interested, as a you know, whole school approach, is just however long you think it's going to take, <laughs> give, it a bit, give it a bit longer. And let's focus on you for a moment, because I know it's all about the kids. But until you really feel that benefit, so as I said, the ants, yeah, I could give a PowerPoint presentation about yeah. ants, but I can also speak really quite authentically about the power of ants because I can talk about numerous occasions now where I've been able to manage myself better. I've been able to help my son, my daughter, my wife better. I've been able to perform on stage better as a result of having an understanding just of this small part, you know, just yes. of ants. So the authenticity that I, I think that comes through in that then helps other people. And, and so, you know, helping teachers or any adults really feel it before they then try and teach it. <laughs> yeah, I know they say I, um, learn it and live it before teaching it embedded, yeah. but I really like that it is feeling, isn't it? Sort yeah. of genuinely feeling it. Yeah. And we also know that, 
you know, from previous research studies over the years that transfer of training statistics are relatively low. It's an ongoing yep. challenge that, and we do see schools, this is one of my greatest concerns for a long time, is the, the large investments being made in the training and education of staff, but mm. without some sort of methodology. And I'm, I'm going to, mm. you know, introduce coaching here because clearly that's our key methodology that we use. And in terms of also trying to create a coaching culture to support, I guess, the creation of a flourishing culture. And I know your business is cut through coaching, also uses yeah. coaching. What's been your experience, I guess, with the initial investment in education and in the coaching as, I guess, as a means to transfer that knowledge and actually bring it to life? Yeah, I came up with this phrase a while back, and I tried it out on Twitter to see how it how it landed. Yeah. But um, I came up with this idea that coaching isn't for everyone yeah. until they realise it is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I put a lot of weight on that word "until," right? Because you know, because a lot of the time, oh, you can have coaching, you can get coaching, but if and you know this better than anyone, if someone walks in because they've been told they need coaching, or they you've been offered it, and and it's just part of what happens, then you might have some impact, of course you might, but it's not going to have that that real cut through. You know, it's not really going to have as much impact as we want. So what we tend to do is we we go in with a approach where we say, hey, guys, this is what we're talking about. This is the thing, whatever it is, right, whether it's around positive psychology, whether it's around mindset, whether it's around um, leadership, this is the thing, whatever it is. And then we say, or basically we we offer up um, is there anything you want to or need to improve? If so, come and have a chat. And and then we try and sort of really lower the barriers. It's it's a chat, right? And then we we are obviously using um, our methodology and our and our framework that we sort of have been working on here around coaching. And it's basically you know an expression of interest. And what we tend to find is that then that organically grows. Mm. And again, this goes back to that point I made before: is that takes time. You know, so a lot of leaders might say, hey, I've got 20 people. Can you come and coach them? Yeah. Go, well, I, I can, but you're going to waste your money. Yes. What we could do is let's see of those 20. Which ones, yeah. Who are ready for coaching, That's who it. want coaching. Let's start there. And then what will happen is, is they, you know, whatever improvements, be they well personal or professional or probably both, whatever they have, and that starts spreading organically, then we'll, you know, you tend to find you get better and more authentic uptake. That's my take on coaching. You definitely need that intrinsic motivation, yeah, don't sure. you? Absolutely. And the beauty of it is that coaching builds that. So once you've, yes. you, you have that initial intrinsic bit, but then it's just this virtuous spiral. That's it. Know. It builds on that, doesn't it? Yeah. And of course, then we uh, use the, the phrase, learn it, live it, before leading it and embedding right. it too. So for the leaders, it's really important to, um, so off the back of, say, some positive leadership training, then using the coaching one-on-one -on -one to help them really, you know, walk the talk, bring yeah. it to life. So, so powerful. Absolutely. So, Dan, we're coming towards the end of um, the interview, but is there a story that you could share that might highlight the power of the approach that you take in adopting um, POSED in whatever form, whether yeah. that's, again, student, staff, whole school? Yeah. I'll give you two. One's actually not from school. It's from a, a corporate world where I was invited to speak, basically run a three-day retreat for um, 50 leaders from this ASX-listed company. And we did all manner of things. It was a really wide-ranging. It was like a smorgasbord of things, if you imagine, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And about eight, maybe nine months later, I came back to do a follow-up thing. And this bloke came up with proper Aussie 
you know, off good yeah. low, good eye, mate, you know, all that <laughs> kind of thing. He came up to me and he almost had tears in his eyes yeah. and he just said, I want you to know what you did last time has fundamentally changed how I speak to my son. Oh. And yeah, that's exactly what I did. And now I really, exactly, well. yeah, and yeah. because nothing, nothing in the brief from that company had been about that. It no. was all about how can you help leaders interact better across functions and teams and blah blah blah. But the point is this: you know, our tagline at Cut Through is about we'll help you to thrive professionally and personally. And I don't know how that'll land, but if you're willing to dig in then you'll find something for you as a professional, as a partner, as a parent. So that was really powerful for me. And and it's not, you know, there was probably, as I said, there's no huge return on investment necessarily on that for the company. But in terms of impact, if, I, if there's a father having a better conversation with a son, then that'll do me. You know, that, that, that's great. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. I've experienced so many of those stories yeah. over the 20 years that I've been doing this too yeah. and I still laugh at one where um, a man came in the following day after we'd had a whole day the day before and he said, my wife's sending you a bunch of flowers today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She said, I'm the nicest I've been in a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to you? Where have you been today? <laughs> Dr. Susie. <laughs> <laughs> it's so powerful, isn't yeah. it? And, 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 of course, look, it does depend on where people are, are at and um, in terms of their, their journey if you want to use that that word or I've also discovered now that sometimes there is this lag effect and it's you know maybe a year or a few years later and a penny will drop and they'll remember something and and often I've also heard now from hearing from clients years later that it's often the things that not the things that you thought were important actually but um things that you you thought may not have had an impact actually do so um yeah it's a privilege doing this work Dan really isn't it so Dan just coming to wrapping up now if if there was a book or a podcast or anything uh, that you could recommend for anyone that's interested in any of the work that you do or any of the topics that you're interested yeah. in, what's your go-to? Well, could I give a shameless plug for my podcast? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, I've featured on that once Indeed, too. You did. <laughs> Indeed you did. So, uh, yeah, Habits of Leadership is the podcast. And yeah. even though it sounds very leadership-oriented, it, it would talk about self-leadership as much as leading others. So there's all manner of great guests on there so you, obviously yourself we've also had Richard Ryan on there we've oh, had fabulous. Carol Dweck on there we've had uh, Ken Robinson the late great oh, uh, Sir Ken has amazing. been on there so we've we, it's quite an eclectic um, bunch of people who we've been fortunate to chat to on there um, as for a book it's a book I came across years ago and I actually share it with anyone who uh, and I've shared it with really close family members and best friends who have been at one point or another in their life, perhaps struggling a little bit. And it's a book called um, Happier by Tal Ben-Shahar. And it's one of, I'm not going to say it's the, but it's certainly one of the easiest to access books in terms of the simple things that you can control in order to sort of enhance your you know, your subjective well-being. So, yeah, Happier by Tal Ben-Shahar for me is, is a great start point, but it's also a really practical one for anyone who actually does feel that someone might benefit from just being a fraction happier. And I'm using that term very loosely, obviously. 
Absolutely. And Tal being, I think, the first person to teach in uh, higher education at Harvard, which became the most popular course at Harvard on positive psychology. And that book is definitely in my library and uh, very uh, (laughs) dog-eared, I would would say as well. So thank you so much, Dan. Now, if people do want to find out more about your work, where do they go to? The easiest one to find would probably be danhasler.com. Or you can just Google Dan Hasler, Google cut through coaching, not cutthroat coaching. Some people sometimes mispronounce <laughs> it's a different it. Type of coaching. Very different type of experience. <laughs> um, cut through coaching. If you just Google anything like that, there's some um, yeah. around. I pop up quite a bit. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Dan. I'm I'm assuming that Zest Energy Vitality is in your top five signature Indeed. strengths. Indeed it is. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel that you're a positive energizer. So thank you so much for the work that you do and for sharing all your wonderful experiences and knowledge and wisdom today. That's absolutely pleasure. Thanks, Dan. Thanks very much for having me, Susie. Thank you so much for listening to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series three, special edition 2020. If you're enjoying the series and you're a school leader who wants to take a strategic and sustainable approach to positive education in your school, contact us at info at thepositivityinstitute.com.au to find out more information about our Pioneers of Positive Education Mastermind Group, which we'll be launching in 2021. In the meantime, you might like to check out my new podcast, The Positivity Prescription, available on iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to sign up for our free e-news at the Positivity Institute website where you'll be kept in the loop for all things positive. Bye for now.